Well, welcome to Father's Day at Chapel Hill. Woo! So glad that you are here. This is a special weekend for us as we celebrate dads and everything they do for us, all that they are. Special weekend for me. Yesterday, my son Ezra turned four, and it was my dad's birthday yesterday as well. So it's a huge weekend in my family and a huge weekend for this church. So we're celebrating all the way. Uh, my name's Ellis. I'm the pastor of weekend services here. This is Pastor Mark. He's the boss of everyone who works here, <laughs> except for Jesus, who's the boss of him. Yes. And um, we thought it'd be fun to team preach this weekend. We are dads from different generations. I got little kids, four-year-old and a five-year-old. Mark has got 20-somethings who have uh, graduated from college, and they've got jobs. They've got jobs. Gameplay and play. Woo-hoo! Uh, we come from different generations. Uh, we come from slightly different perspectives on parenting and, and different cultural backgrounds. He's um, American and I'm British and they couldn't be further apart really (laughs) as I've discovered over these last eight years. Uh, And yet, despite being different on, on many points, we're united in this one conviction that dads are the MVPs in their kids' lives. They are the most valuable person in their kids' lives. They bring a unique contribution to their kids that no one else can replace. Scripture speaks frequently of the power of the father in the child's life. Um, it has an interesting thing to say in, in Proverbs chapter 17. It has these words where it says, The glory of children is their fathers. The glory of children is their fathers. We say, that's kind of unusual. And the word glory is kind of a, a churchy word. It might help you if you heard that the translation is probably better, the weight the glory really could be translated weight. So the weight of children is their fathers. What does that mean? It means this, that God has designed the relationship between a father and his child to weigh that child down in a, in a positive way, to stabilize them. Um, I, I took scuba diving when I was a kid. In fact, I took it with my father at the YMCA in Yakima. It was one of the many things that we did together. You pretty quickly discover that when you scuba dive, you have to wear a weight belt to neutralize your buoyancy. Well, actually, I, I carry one myself. It's all an the impressive. Time, so it's impressive. Thanks. I'm trying to catch up there too. Uh, if you don't wear the weight belt, uh, you're going to find that you're going to flail and flop around in the water kind of helplessly. And life can be like that too. Kids who don't, they do best when they have the stabilizing weight of their father's engaged love in their lives. And one of the most powerful stabilizing tools that a father has is the words that he speaks to his children. Most dads really have no idea the impact of their words. No idea. Both for good and for ill. Every child, every child, every child longs and drinks up the the words of blessing from their father no matter their age. Every daughter, every son kind of rises up a little taller, kind of swells up, is more, is emboldened when they hear the, the blessing of their dad. And as it turns out, that every child includes the Son of God. Yeah, that's right. Um, There are a couple of times in the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where we see the Father actually speaking to the Son in in plain view of everyone. The first one of those is when he speaks to the Son at his baptism at the beginning of his ministry. And the second one is in this kind of crazy, weird mountaintop encounter with Jesus and three of his friends. And so we thought we'd go there today and try and explain that one. So we're going to be in Matthew 17, verses 1 through 8. It's going to be on the screens if you want to follow along. And we're going to go up on that mountain. 
with Jesus and his three friends, Peter, James, and John. And we're going to hear his heavenly father brag on his son. I'm going to read it to you. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he, that's Jesus, was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with them. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. It's a very powerful and kind of unusual uh, passage of Scripture, isn't it? Many of you know that our daughter, Rachel, is an ordained pastor in our denomination, and she's serving as essentially the campus pastor for a university in North Carolina, a college called Montreat College. And uh, recently, I got a call from her. Last week, I got a call from from my daughter. I'd love it when I get calls from her. And she wanted to share with me an encounter that she had recently had. A young couple that are getting ready to go into the mission field wanted to meet with Rachel for counsel and encouragement and any advice that she might have as as they're getting ready to launch into this new season of their life. And so they met at a local coffee shop, and they were telling her her, their story, their journey together, and and where they were going to be doing, what they were going to be doing. And they invited Rachel to speak some scripture, some wisdom into their lives. And so she was doing that. And they were having a wonderful, sweet uh, conversation When an eavesdropping woman walked up to the table and directed her attention to Rachel and said, you are an abomination to the gospel and a heretic. Wow, really? If you know my daughter Rachel, you can imagine how she responded to that. Actually, she controlled herself better than I might have expected. She responded with a pretty calm, um, I think you might have missed part of the conversation. What part of it did you find so offensive? And the woman said something about her being hypocritical and judgmental, which Rachel found richly ironic, given what that woman was saying to her at the time. And so she was getting nowhere with her, and finally Rachel said, listen, I'm, I'm really sorry to, that you feel that way. And the woman said, you just have to have the last word, don't you? <laughs> wow! An abomination of the gospel! A heretic! Rachel was laughing when she shared these words with me. I don't know how much she was laughing at the time. You know, sometimes Rachel calls her mom first. Sometimes she calls me first. This was a dad first call. And I think in part it might have been because she figured I could relate. She's heard some of the stories I've told over years of ministry of really harsh and hard and outrageous conversations So maybe what she needed to hear was a a few words of encouragement for her dad, and she sure got them. I said, well, listen, Rachel, let me tell you something. You are my favorite abomination. (laughs) Actually, it would take a lot of words of abuse from a stranger to outdo what 
we have poured into our kids' lives and what I have poured into our kids' lives. For from the first day they were born, I have spoken the blessings of a father into my children. Yeah, and I'm thankful that I received those same blessings, words of blessings from, from my father. And in this passage, we see Jesus receiving them from his father. We, we refer to this passage often as the transfiguration. Really, that's a fancy way of saying that here we see Jesus transformed into something more elevated and, and, and more beautiful than his regular appearance. But the truth is, what we see here is Jesus taking on his true form. Let me explain. Have any of you seen a series that was on a few years ago called Undercover Boss? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Here's, here's how it works. They took CEOs of large corporations and they disguised them and put them on the front line working alongside their employees. So these employees had no idea who they were working with. And they would work with them for two weeks and at the end of the two weeks, they would take off their disguise in front of the employees and reveal who they are. And often there were astounding consequences. Hmm. Well, in this passage, what we see is Jesus taking off the disguise. You see, Jesus is the eternal son of God. He spoke the world into being by his mouth. He created all things. He is above all things. All things are contained in him. And yet he became a human being. He became like one of us, one of the people on the front line of humanity, right? But in this moment on the mountain with his three friends, Jesus takes off the mask and we get to see who he really is, the CEO of the whole universe. And Peter, well, Peter's one of these guys, I don't know if you have one of these people in your life who, when they get anxious or nervous, they just start to talk and words come out and they don't really know what they mean, all right? Peter just starts to talk and he's, he's blabbering and he really doesn't know what he's saying, but he gets cut off. By God the Father, speaking from heaven. And the words that that God the Father speaks here to Jesus are coming at an incredibly important time in Jesus' ministry. You see, Jesus didn't just come to earth to be amongst us and be with us. He didn't just come to show us what true humanity looked like. He didn't just come to heal people while he was there. He came ultimately to give his life that all might be healed, that all might be reunited with their heavenly father. And Jesus knows this. And at this point in his ministry, he's turning his face to Jerusalem. And he knows that what is before him is his arrest and execution, his death upon a cross. And at this moment in his ministry, this crucial moment in his ministry, the father speaks these words of blessing. And they're the same words that the Father spoke, almost identical to the words he spoke at the beginning of Jesus' ministry in his baptism. It's like at these two crucial moments, Jesus needs the Father's blessing. He needs the Father's encouragement. He needs these words that are going to stabilize him, like that weight that Pastor Mark was talking about, that are going to enable him to pursue his mission as difficult as it might be. And let me tell you, If Jesus needed to hear these words from his father, if the son of God needed to hear these words from his father, how much more do we need to hear them from our earthly fathers? Do our kids need to hear them 
from us, fathers. So this is a really a practical sermon. Uh, we want to speak to every dad, every grandpa out there, and we want to give you some words that come right from the Heavenly Father, words that will allow you to be able to speak blessing into the lives of your children and your grandchildren. So here are the three parts of the blessing as we discover God when He is speaking in the presence of His Son for His Son to hear. Here they are. It is, you belong, you are loved, and you are valued. Say those with me, please. You, you belong, belong, you, you are, are loved, loved you are valued. So let's start, first of all, with you belong. You know, for the longest time when I talked about the Father's blessing, I jumped right into the importance of saying, I love you. And it struck me as I was preparing for this message, no, we got to back up one point here. Because the foundation for security, the foundation of blessing of a child begins with them knowing that they are part of a family. God said of Jesus in his presence, this is my beloved son. And our children need to hear that they are our children, that they are part of our family. Jesus uh, was the beloved son. Our children need to hear from the dads that they belong to us. Not in a possessive way, but in a, a protective way in which we say, you are mine, you're part of my family. You are, are, you're going to carry my name forward. You're going to carry our, our destiny, our legacy forward. There's something securing and stabilizing about those words. We tried to reinforce this sense of belonging among our own children over the years, of a sense of, you're a tune, and that, that means something. We were traveling in Scotland one year, one summer, and uh, we visited a number of Scottish castles, and uh, we found that every one virtually had a crest, often over the main entrance into the castle. It would have a Latin, uh, Latin phrase on it. It would have uh, images that would represent something about their, about their family. And so we uh, began to talk about that after we had seen those things. I said, so if 300 years from now, someone were to discover the Toon family crest, what would we want that to say about who we are? How would we define who we are? So we began to talk about the things that matter to us, things like travel and things like music and things like sports and what's my other thing? There it is right study. up there. Study, yeah, the importance of study. So those are the things that matter to us. And then right in the center of all of it was the cross of Jesus. So this was, this was what we discovered. And, and then my kids took this idea and Rachel kind of made a design of it. We chose a, a Latin phrase to be our motto. The phrase was esse quam videri, which means to be rather than to appear. In other words, we don't want pretense. We want there to be a, a sincerity, a genuineness that what you see is what you get. So that was our, 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 our work together on our family. And then when I came home, I had the greatest Christmas gift ever, second only to my son who was born on Christmas Day, because my kids took this plan that Rachel had kind of sketched out to an artisan, and they produced the crest that you saw up on the screen, and they gave that to me. That was the greatest gift I've ever received. If you ever had one of those, what would you take out the house if your house was on fire thing? That was the one that, would have, that I would have carried out. In fact, it meant so much to me that I went back to the same artisan and I said, would you make two more? And when my kids went off to college each time, I gave a copy of that to them. I said, I want you to hang this on your dorm. And I want you to do that to remember that you're a tune. Remember who you are and whose you are. It's important to me. So this, this, this idea of, of belonging really matters. Our culture is so disconnected. 
We have a phone that will put us in touch with millions of people with the touch of the screen. And yet I dare say that there's never been a time of greater isolation and disconnectedness than we are experiencing right now. The foundation of a father's blessing is the assurance that their child belongs, that their family ties can never be broken. You are my son. You are my daughter. And there's nothing that you can do to unson yourself, undaughter yourself. You will always be mine. That's the core. That's the foundation of blessing. You belong. You belong to me. You belong to us. And then the second part is, and you are loved. You are loved. God said of his son, Jesus, this is my beloved son. And that second part of the father's blessing are the words, I love you. Spoken out loud. Those very words. Spoken often. Sometimes spoken with your kids' ears in both of your hands so that they will look at you and listen to you as you say them. I used to have to do that with Cooper. Grab him on both sides of the face. You are lo- I love you, son. It took that kind of effort. My generation... Uh, had a lot of dads, my generation had a lot of dads who struggled with these words. When I've asked large groups of men, uh, how many of you ever heard your dad say the words, I love you? I have been astounded over my ministry to discover that maybe one third of the group will raise their hands. Two thirds of the men in that, in that crowd will keep their hands down. They never heard their father say, I love you. And they'll come up afterwards almost to defend their dad and say, I knew he loved me. He took care of me. He showed me that he loved me, but he never said those words. And I heard this last week from a man who said, I heard my father speak the words, I love you, one time, and it was on his deathbed. What a waste. What a waste with some powerful words. I think this generation is actually better at it. I think younger fathers are learning to speak comfortably, to speak these kinds of words, and that's good. But I'll say to you, whether it comes easily or not, whether you're an older generation or young generation, I couldn't care less. You need to speak the words. Your kids need to hear those words, I love you. If Jesus, who had a perfect relationship with his heavenly Father, needed to hear the words, I love you, from him, how much more your children? You cannot say it enough. And it never gets old. And when kids hear these most important words being spoken by the most important man in their life, I'm telling you, it fills the sails of their souls with a wind that propels them into their future. You belong. I love you. And then here's the third. And I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. The father says to the son in this passage, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. He's saying to his son, son, I'm so proud of you. I'm so pleased with who you are. I'm so pleased with what you have done. I'm thankful that my dad spoke these words consistently over me. He would say to me all the time, Alice, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Kind of honestly, it, it got to the point where there were a few times where I said to him, okay, okay, dad, I get it. You're proud of me. Now stop. It wasn't just me that my dad used to speak these words of blessing over either. I, I played rugby with a, a, a young man. He was on my team. He played on the wing. And uh, the winger always is uh, next to the sideline. So he's right next to the parents. All right? And he gets all of the angry things that the parents <laughs> say. The when chatter. he would make a mistake, it would be, Oh, Alex! 
And he would tell me that once that noise died down, there would be one voice that would speak out every time. And it would always be the voice of my dad. Hmm. And it'd be my dad saying, you've got this, Alex. I believe in you, Alex. Go get him, Alex. Hmm. He said my dad's word meant, it meant so much to him. My dad's words had an impact beyond even my own family. Hmm. Just over three years ago, though, my, my dad suddenly passed away. And as I've had time to reflect on what I miss the most about my father, I've realized that the thing I miss the most is his words. Hmm. I miss hearing him say to me, Alice, I love you. Alice, I'm so proud of you. So proud of you. About a month after he passed away, I had to give a talk at a college campus. It was on the, the title, What Happens When We Die? And, and that was a tough talk to give a month after my dad had died. Yeah. Um, at the end of the talk, there was a, we, we were there as a team, and there was this gal on the team who came up to me. I, I hadn't met her before that week. I didn't know her from um, Eve. And uh, she came to me and she said, hey, um, apparently that was funny. <laughs> um, and she said to me, hey, this doesn't normally happen to me. Um, but I felt like God was speaking to me and he was telling me to tell you something. She said, it's, it's something that I think you, you've missed hearing from your dad. Hmm. Like I say, I didn't know her, all right? And she said to me, Ellis, God told me to tell you, Ellis, I'm proud of you. Hmm. And when I heard those words again, a month after I'd lost my dad, when I so deeply needed to hear them, I realized that I had a heavenly father who was always going to be with me, who was always going to be speaking those words over me, no matter where my dad was, that my heavenly father loved me, that I belonged to him, and that he was proud of me. So if you are a dad, we want to help you to bless your kids in this way. In your worship guides, you'll find one of these bookmarks. Why don't you go ahead and grab that now so you can take a look at it. We want to help you bless your kids. These words of blessing that you've been hearing us talk about. their words that, that both Mark and I speak over our kids. You know, my kids are little, Mark's kids are grown up, and yet we both speak them over our kids. I don't think it matters how old your kids are. These words mean something to them, even if they're a babe in arms. Yeah. I used to say these words to my kids when they were tiny. And you can see those words printed on there. You belong to me. I love you. I am proud of you. And here's what we want to ask you to consider doing. This Father's Day, would you... Say these words to each of your children. Would you say these words to each of your children? Maybe that's, maybe that's going to be easy because you're with them this Father's Day. And you can just say, hey, can I grab you for a moment? You can say to them, son, daughter, you belong to me. You're mine. You're always going to be mine. Nothing is going to stop you being mine. And I love you. I love you so much. There's nothing you can do to make me love you more. There's nothing you can do to make me love you less. And I'm proud of you. I'm proud of who you are. And I'm proud of what you've done in these ways. And then name some ways that you're proud of them. Some things that they have done. Now, it could be easy for you to do that today. It could be harder. Maybe you, you're separated by a, a distance. You have to pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. Call them. doesn't matter how old they are. Just, just say these words down the phone to them. Maybe you're separated by a distance. It's a relational distance. And you haven't had contact with them. Well, I want to ask you, would you consider sending them a letter or an email? Maybe it's to the last known address. Reach out to them. Speak these words to them. They need to hear them. And if you're a single mom, today might be hard for you. I recognize that. 
But these words can come from a mother, from a single mom, and they can have power. My mom spoke these words over me last night, Hmm. and they meant a great deal. Hmm. So don't believe that just because you're on your own, you can't provide your kid with the blessing of these words. And if you're a dad of a a smaller kid, I mean, my kids love these um, temporary tattoos, right? I've got one up here. I can't show it to you because the shirt doesn't get over my (laughs) whopping great big shoulder. Over your big muscles. Um, It says, ahoy, matey, and it has a skull and crossbones because my son wanted me to wear it. Um, We have some, kids love them. We have these temporary tattoos. They're going to be with the ushers at the doors on the way out. So on your way out, we, we want you, if, if your kid would love one of these, we want you to grab one of these. They say, I belong, I am loved, I am valued. And here's what I did with my kids last night, and I want to ask you, would you consider doing it with your kids tonight? Is I, when I was putting them to bed, I said to them, hey, I've got something that I want to give to you. I got this tattoo, and I, I put it right on, on their forearm where they could see it. Where, it was, where the words were pointing towards them. And I stuck it on them. And I said, you see these words, okay? I belong. You belong to me. You're mine. Nothing's going to separate us. You'll always be mine. I love you. I love you so, so much. You are loved. And you are valuable. I'm so proud of you, proud of who you are, and proud of what you've done. And then every night this week, as I put them to bed, I'm going to point to that tattoo and I'm going to say, hey, look, remember, remember, you belong to me. I love you and I am proud of you. Hmm. Uh, Every child needs to hear this from their father. And it doesn't matter how old you are, it still is nourishment for your soul. Uh, My dad often will call on Sunday afternoon and said, son, that was just a great sermon. Now, I'm 62 years old. I've been at the pastoring thing for a while. I have a sense of who I am and what my gifts are and what I've been called to do. But I'm telling you, when my dad calls to brag on me, it still fills my soul. But the thing is, it's hard to speak words that you have never heard spoken into you. It's hard. If you've never received the gift of what we have been talking about, it's sometimes hard to transmit that. And so I want to close. We're going to close this message. I would like to pronounce a blessing over you, over both the men and the women, because I want all of you to receive this gift. I would invite you to receive this as your spiritual father. Could be that your father died early and, and you never got to know him. It could be that your dad never spoke these words, even though you might know that he would have loved to, but he just didn't know how. Or it could be that your dad was a harsh man or a hard man, Uh, who hurt you in some way and neglected you in some way. Regardless, you need to hear the words uh, that, that the Heavenly Father pronounces over you, and you need to hear them from a human. And so I'm going to speak these words to you, and I invite you, all of you, to receive this paternal blessing, all right? So close your eyes, if you would, all of you. Maybe place your hands open on your, on your laps or lift them up to receive them, and let me speak these words of blessing into your life. You are my beloved child. You belong to my family. I love you. I am proud of you. And there are so many things that are so very good about you, who you are, and what you can do. And so I want to speak words of life into you. 
where there is apathy, I want to speak love. Where there is sorrow, I want to speak joy. Where there is anxiety or turmoil, I want to speak peace. Where there is anger, I speak patience. Where there has been cruelty, I speak kindness. Where there has been evil, I speak goodness. Where there has been abandonment or betrayal, forgiveness that still lingers in your soul. I speak the power 